0: Welcome in listeners, it's time for episode 109 of the Slump Buster Podcast. I'm your host, Juju Talk Sports. I am joined today by our own Kyle Ledbetter. And on today's episode, we break down NFL week one, give our awards predictions, and who's going to take home that Lombardi this season. But before we do that, folks, it's time to give a shout out to our partner, Caveman Coffee Co. Caveman is a fantastic single source, single origin goodness from a company with impeccable tastes and ethics. The people behind it are beautiful souls, and the coffee is delicious fuel for the never-ending quest to do better, be better. Love harder and enjoy deeper. Guys, I tell you, their nitro cold brew is the perfect blend of energy and refreshment in the morning. Great way to start the day. But why stop there? They have their mammoth blends, which I highly encourage you getting. They have their hibiscus teas, which are delicious. And guys, if you use our promo code SLUMP, you get 15% off your next purchase of any of these fantastic products. CavemanCoffeeCo.com, promo code SLUMP. Guys, don't be a chump. Use promo code SLUMP and get yourself a case Today. All right, y'all. It's time for the episode. Juju Talk Sports. Cut a little better. Let's get it. Let's bust a slump and let's enjoy. Welcome in, Slump Busters. It's time for episode 109 of the Slump Buster Podcast. I'm your host, UG Talk Sports, and it is game time. We are a couple days from the NFL season. Everyone's excited. We had a huge weekend of college football. And join me on this episode to break it all down. Kyle Ledbetter, so not a first-time guest, not even technically a guest anymore, just a full-time member of the Slump Buster team. And obviously, Kyle, we appreciate everything you've been doing for us NBA-wise. How are you doing today, man?
1: I am doing fantastic Juju and technically speaking, I think this is my fourth slump buster podcast. If we, if we really pin it down, down the road, but yeah, I, I am super appreciative that you have made me a full-time contributor here on the slump buster. And I am really enjoying my time as the NBA correspondent of sorts here on the show. So I appreciate it. And I'm excited to be here because I am so excited for football season. Like, honestly, it's going to be so much fun this weekend. I am ready for Sunday. And it's only five days away, but I've been waiting five months. I can wait five more days.
0: We had a lot of fun discussing prior to the show here what happened in college football this past weekend. What was probably the most notable headline from the weekend for you?
1: Uh, I think the right answer is Clemson's offense just putting up an absolute dud. I love DJ Oyungalale. Like, I think he's going to get a chance to iron out the details as he gets to play some of the Syracuses and the Boston colleges of the world. But man, he played horror in that game against georgia which either georgia has the greatest defense ever or there's some details that got to be ironed out but my favorite story of the weekend would have to be either kansas storming the field after beating a 6 and 10 fcs team over the last two years in a game where they did not even cover the spread by the way against south dakota or the university of washington paying six hundred seventy five thousand dollars for the university of montana who has not beat them in 100 years to come in and add absolutely derail their football program so those would be my favorite stories of the weekend though
0: not want to kink shame anyone but uh paying to get your ass beat on your own home field that just kind of seems like a poor use of your money I think that my favorite headline definitely had to be the whole Brian Kelly uh executing players kerfuffle that started on Twitter there obviously it has a little bit of a history uh John McKay the former Tampa Bay Bucks head coach was asked once in a press conference about how he thought about the execution of his players he said I'm in favor of it Brian Kelly tried to do something similar. Didn't go as well. Didn't land as well. Sometimes I think the best thing is if you don't know the full quote, you should probably veer away from trying to say the quote, especially when it comes to executing players. Because just taking that one clip out of context, I, I feel that's going to fall Brian Kelly around, certainly whenever Notre Dame has a bad loss. I think that's going to be a very memeable moment once you say very. That comical honestly was probably.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, of course, comical sports memes and some of the stuff with Slump Buster, which I saw. That wasn't even like the most memeable part of that. Game game because you had the awesome story of mackenzie milton two and a half years suffered a, the doctor called a. in 22 years uh, as a surgeon had never seen anything as gruesome he was going through rehab that was basically the same rehab that war veterans go through when they return with significant injuries and he comes back he's a backup He leads a 10 point comeback after the starter gets hurt and the coach of Florida State ices his own kicker in overtime so that not even the Mackenzie Milton future Disney movie magic could stop Florida State from being Florida State since Lamar Jackson swiped their heart five years ago, just a putrid college football program. So that was probably the most memeable moment of that game, even.
0: I did listen to your most recent episode of the Take It Easy podcast, and I did appreciate that you loved my stat out there that DJ Ulongole had more syllables in his name than the Clemson Tigers were able to score. And hell, I'll take it even a step further than even the amount of rushing yards they had in the first half. I never thought I'd see a team of certain Clemson's caliber, one rushing yard and a half of football. That is yeah, one of the
1: most putrid was-
0: stat lines I think I've seen in a while.
1: Considering that we're used to Clemson being one of the best rushing teams in college football with Travis Etienne breaking the ACC all-time rushing record in his three-plus years at Clemson. So honestly, Clemson was the most shocking story of the weekend. And maybe this is a changing of the guard in air quotes at the top of college football because Clemson is just one bad upset away from not making the college football playoff. I saw a stat that they won't play another ranked opponent until the ACC championship game this year, assuming that either Miami or North Carolina makes it because you never know what's going to happen with the ACC Coastal, which is just a tire fire of a conference across 10 years. But Clemson has no margin for error anymore. And that's tough considering there's a lot of good teams kind of nipping at the butt of Clemson and Alabama this year. Now, none of them are Alabama, but props to Texas A&M, props to Georgia. Obviously, Ohio State's really good. I want to believe in Iowa State, even if Iowa State doesn't believe in me, and... (sighs) There's a lot of teams right behind Clemson. So their margin for error has gotten a lot smaller.
0: Well, if you are a Clemson fan, you do have a little bit of hope because in the AP polls that came out today, they were still number six overall, which, you know, I was thinking after how bad their offense reformed, I was expecting to be somewhere around that 10 to 12 range, but no, they gave a lot of credence to their opponent, gave Georgia a lot of love. I know it's not the BCS poll exactly, or the college football playoff poll, but uh, I think if you're at six... The AP poll kind of somewhat mirrors the BCS poll overall. I got to say one of the big things, uh, team you didn't mention, though, in that, Oklahoma, the fact that they came up five points within one possession of Tulane doesn't make me exactly feel good about my national title pick or my uh, Heisman Trophy picks exactly. Uh, Spencer Rattler, a couple bad picks, uh, one that got overturned. Definitely concerning uh, for Lincoln Riley and the Sooner Faithful.
1: Yeah, I think the good news for you, if you are betting on the Spencer Rattler hype train, is that the other Heisman candidates played quite poorly this weekend. When you look at Sam Howell, Derek King down in Miami, Bryce Young obviously was awesome, but Oyunga Lalay, we talked about before, the quarterback for Ohio State, CJ Stroud, I want to say. He he wasn't too great. So apologies to Oklahoma. I mentioned Iowa State over them, but Oklahoma plays at home against Iowa State like the second to last week of the season. And in I so desperately wanted Iowa State to be undefeated going into that game. I don't know if they're going to get there. I saw that they like purposely ranked Iowa like 10th in the country this week, knowing that they play Iowa State this weekend. So it's technically a top 10 matchup, which I don't know if Iowa State or Iowa are top 10 teams at this point, but whatever we, we can pretend it's a top 10 matchup and just put it on college game day, but apologies to Oklahoma. Cause Oklahoma probably will make the college football playoff with or without Clemson being left out. They're probably that fourth team this year, along with of course, Alabama, Ohio state, maybe Georgia, Georgia, unfortunately, because they have to play Alabama in the SEC championship game probably has to go undefeated in the regular season to make it. And, you know, with all due respect, to the Georgia Bulldogs who are really good. One of those SEC teams is going to get them. I don't know who it is yet. Might be Kentucky, might be Tennessee, but someone's going to end up getting them before they get to the conference championship. When you have to consistently step
0: in the landmines that are SEC opponents, yeah, I agree. It's going to be a tough road. I think the biggest thing for them is JT Daniels, you would have liked to have seen a little bit more from them offensively. Of course, that does give you a little positive news if you're with Clemson there that their defense still looks good, but JT Daniels down the stretch last year was able to put up a great run for them, and I think they were expecting him to be in that high mix as well. Obviously, like you mentioned, it's a 10-3 game. No one was scoring there, but like I said, when it comes to the Oklahoma Sooners everything. It's just surprising because obviously Tulane, everything they had to go through, obviously with the hurricane, having to change it around to be a home slash road game, whatever it turned out to be for them. And you would think a second year quarterback in Lincoln Riley system would have looked a little bit better than that.
1: Yeah. We're used to these great Oklahoma quarterbacks, right? Like the high powered offenses of the last every year, but last year, I don't know what happened to that Austin Kendall guy. I think he was their quarterback last year. And he just, he was, he was the Jake Coker of the group, or he was the the Kelly Bryant of the group who didn't have a Heisman type season, but still we're used to the high powered offenses and Rattler didn't get any help because the expectations were set for Heisman trophy or bust or number one pick or bust coming into the season. But I think they will be fine i know tulane is not the traditional powerhouse that anyone thinks of of being a good football team i the only thing i know about tulane football is that matt forte played there and that was like 15 years ago so i would say that that's obviously disappointing and they dropped in the poll because of it but you get one loss I think if you're Oklahoma if you if you lose one game and win the conference championship I think you're going to be okay maybe that comes against your Longhorns maybe it comes against I don't know they've lost to K-State a couple times over the last few years maybe it's one of those weird teams but Oklahoma I think you're going to be okay even with one loss as long as you win the conference championship and that seems easy enough for Oklahoma they're super talented in a conference that is not Super talented. So I think Rattler's going to be okay, even if he doesn't win the Heisman, which I think that'll start to pop up as we go throughout the season. Is someone's going to have their Lamar Jackson game where they drop 62 points, and we're going to be like, wow, look at this guy. And I don't know if it's going to be Rattler. I don't know if it's going to be Bryce Young, but we'll figure that out later on. Oklahoma doesn't need to panic quite yet.
0: All right. Well, that does it for the college game. Let's start getting into this pros. Uh, this episode, obviously, I mentioned kickoffs just here in a couple of days. So we got to put on the record these predictions. We got to put out who we think is going to be taking down some hardware at the end of the year, both individual honors and, of course, team honors. Then we're going to look at NFL week one. But starting off first here, Kyle, so I'm going to read off the top five for the coach of the year honors. So Vegas has it lined up as such. Favorite right now is going to be first-year head coach Brandon Staley of the Chargers sitting at plus 1,200. Right behind him, perhaps the greatest coach of all time, Bill Belichick at plus 1,400. Been quite a while since Bill has even been in this conversation. Kyle Shanahan at plus 1,400 with the Niners trying to rebound off a rough 2020. Uh, Sean McVay at plus 1,600. And then Kevin Stefanski tied with him at plus 1,600. So right out the gate, I'm going to eliminate Kevin Stefanski because we generally don't see repeat coach of the years. Usually this Award does go to a first year coach on a team that was out of the playoff mix and then gets back to the said playoffs. And that's why Vegas, of course, has Brandon Staley listed as a favorite. Uh, Do you agree with kind of how Vegas has it and who is your personal favorite?
1: coach of the year is always strange because it's usually an award that we give to teams that succeed but don't necessarily have a star type of player unless there's that one year like where Baltimore was like 14 and 2 and they schemed around Lamar Jackson and they gave it to John Harbaugh like one of those that like jumps off the page but a lot of the times we do give it to the team that makes an improvement but didn't change up the roster as much and when I think about that this year Staley comes to mind but staley feels like recency bias because last year we gave it to a first year coach uh in kevin stefanski and then a few years ago it was sean McVay, and i think matt Nagy even won one which was really weird because he's been a really bad coach ever since
0: (laughs) winning coach of the year i think again that was just a first timer first year head coach uh coming off the john fox era in chicago
1: Yeah. And the Bears won the division that year, which I think had more to do with Khalil Mack and Eddie Jackson than anything else. So Staley, I think, is that conventional pick. I wouldn't feel comfortable betting on any coach of the year type candidate but I think one that personally I don't think will win it but one that would be a candidate of sorts if their team does well is Sean Payton and the New Orleans Saints because people don't view Jameis Winston in the sense of a quarterback that can transcend a team even though I think he's better than last year's Drew Brees or whatever mutated version of 12 broken ribs and torn knees and torn ankles that Drew Brees had at the end of last year and and yes the Saints lost some talent on defense but they still have a ridiculously talented secondary Replace trey hendrickson with marcus davenport and he seems like one of those cases where if the saints win 11 12 games next year people will point to him and say look at the coaching job sean payton is doing with less talent than he's had over the last few years Okay, so my obvious pick here has to be Dan Campbell, of course, you
0: know, the man's eating kneecaps, he's bringing Lions camp, he's ready to go. But uh, my serious pick, my non-mean pick is going to be Kyle Shanahan. Call it a bias, but I I think that the voters kind of did him wrong a couple years ago during that year with John Harbaugh getting the coach of the year honors. Um, When you look at what the Niners preseason expectations were, a lot of people had them about an eight win, nine win team. And then obviously they ended up becoming a Super Bowl team that year. That's why I think that this is going to be a big year for Kyle to really establish who he is in terms of NFL coaches. Coming off last year where the Niners were outside the playoffs, I think as the uh, number three favorite, according to Vegas, I think Kyle has that opportunity to actually take home hardware this year.
1: You know, I don't hate that. And I'm probably the pouring water on the fire with the 49ers guy because I had said prior to last year that even if they had been healthy, they probably wouldn't have made it out of the wild card because of just the talent decline that they had on the team. But I will say that that is a fine pick because if the 49ers do really well this year, there's no reason they can't win the NFC West.
0: I struggle give Bill... Uh, credit within these coach of the year honors because I feel bill falls victim to his own legacy in terms of being a coach like he doesn't need to win coach of the year honors anymore at this point his legacy is already established so I kind of discount him in that rankings as well but uh, Kyle Shanahan for me I'm sorry one more time Kyle your pick
1: my official pick will be uh, that's a good one because I was just kind of doing analysis there you know what I will go Sean McDermott with Buffalo that's my pick
0: Okay. Yeah. Sean McDermott, he was just outside the top five. I want to say somewhere around plus 1800 as well. A little bit tougher just because this, his team doesn't have as much of a road to climb being that they were in the AFC championship game. But if the voters want to give him some credit as of what he's done for the Buffalo Bills organization as a whole, I, I would agree Sean McDermott does deserve some praise as well. Okay. Let's take a look at comeback player of the year. It's not yet named the Alex Smith trophy, but at this current point, it is the leading favorite is Dak Prescott. at plus 180. Vegas has really said this is going to be Dak Prescott's award this year. Behind him, you got Joe Burrow at plus 550, Saquon Barkley at plus 600, Christian McCaffrey at plus 700, and then Nick Bosa at plus 800. I I think that this is pretty much a unanimous Dak Prescott's going to win this. The quarterbacks always have the advantage when it comes to these type of awards, and if Dak Prescott is on that field, puts up his typical season. He's just a lock pretty much for this award in my mind.
1: First of all, I would like to say actually that the comeback player of the year award has just become a scam over the last few years because they did give Alex Smith the award last year, even though Alex Smith was, and we took a lot of flack for this towards the end of the season. The worst quarterback in the NFL last year, just genuinely Horrible last season, but because it was a cool story, he got to be comeback player of the year. And then the year before, they gave it to Ryan Tannehill because Ryan Tannehill apparently came back from the Dolphins franchise. No injury. No, nothing. He just came back from playing on the Dolphins. Which, okay, if you want to do it that way, I think that's a way to scam some people out of their money. Can we name Vegas. Sam
0: Darnold then? Can we put him as the escaping Adam Gase comeback player of the year?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think Sam Darnold should be eligible in that case. And if Sam Darnold wins it over Christian McCaffrey, we're gonna have a problem here. But in all seriousness, yeah, it's probably either gonna be Dak Prescott or Joe Burrow, unless Carson Wentz does something magical. I think. I think he's another contender type player. I know he was combined injured and bad last year for the Eagles, but that's one that I think of as maybe a comeback type of player if the Colts win the division or the Colts win 11 games or something like that. But like I said, it's probably going to be Dak Prescott, if not Dak, probably Joe Burrow. Saquon was interesting because I forgot about him. And I've said previously that I think the Giants will be better just by default of adding so much talent on offense, whether it be his or Galladay or Kadarius Tony as compared to having like the corpse of Golden Tate running around last year. Saquon's an interesting one for me where I look at it like wouldn't be surprised if he wins it, but he'd have to do something pretty special to win it.
0: Like I said, most of these awards are based off the narrative and quarterbacks certainly do have the advantage as the leading headline getters on any team. I will throw out a potential option. I mean, I know this will never happen, but the Chiefs offensive lineman last year that sat out due to the COVID pandemic and helped out with, I know he's a registered doctor or nurse or something along those lines.
1: What's his name? Duvernay, I want to say. Duvernay Tardif is the uh, guard for the Chiefs.
0: I would put him as honorary mention just in this category because obviously the pandemic hit us hard last year. He's out there like sacrificing one of his prime NFL years to go help out. Shout out to him. I just thought I'd mention that as a nice little nugget here in the end. Okay, let's take a look at the rookie class. Let's start getting these rookie awards. Defensive Rookie of the Year. Right now, the favorite, another cowboy is going to be Micah Parsons at plus 450. Jalen Phillips. Uh, plus 800 Miami Dolphins right there. Jamin Davis plus 900 Quiddy Payne plus 1000. And then Patrick Sertain at the second at plus 1000. I'm going to say Sertain, I write him off a little bit because I think it's harder for cornerbacks really stand out in terms of these awards, unless you really come down with five picks, six picks, a bunch of pick sixes, there's not a lot of love you can really get from that position. And once NFL defenses figure out they can stay away from you, You can't really stat pad. So cornerbacks, I think, instantly take a hit. I think they have it right here as well. Michael Parsons, just because he's going to be so involved in everything the Cowboys do. He's one of those prototypical linebackers, sideline to sideline, very athletic, very involved in passing situations. They're going to get him involved in pass rush. So he's going to get some big splash plays. And I think that that's going to be what the voters are really going to appeal to.
1: Yeah, this is a tough year for defense because of there's just not a lot of big defensive prospects that jumped off the page. I think like the top seven picks in the draft were all offensive players before JC Horn, who surprisingly was not on the list. I was interested by that. There's no like Chase Young that jumps off the screen like last year. I will throw out another name that could be interesting down the line, which is Asante Samuel Jr. for the Chargers. He's going to get a chance to play a lot of snaps, maybe a lot of snaps replicates to uh, uh, some kind of consideration for the award. I know that helped Jeremy Chin last year for the Carolina Panthers who I think finished second for the award don't quote me on it but I think he finished behind Chase Young who won it almost unanimously so he was uh, I think the 64th pick in the draft so there's a chance that these lower level guys get the award but traditionally it is the people at the top of the draft they get to play the most snaps their first round picks I will be conventional on this one and pick Micah Parsons that will it's be, be very involved
0: selection. yeah um, okay offensive rookie of the year it's- just led by a lot of quarterbacks and pretty much the last few years it's been quarterback running back Trevor Lawrence plus 260 Justin Fields plus 550 Trey Lance at plus 650 Zach Wilson plus 750 and then Najee Harris at plus 800 I'm actually surprised with this top five that after Mac Jones was announced as the week one starter for the Cam Newton news that he didn't fly up the rankings as well, certainly ahead of Trey Lance, who at the moment, um, as an Irish fan, I'm expecting to sit at least multiple weeks probably not even get in there. Realistically, even, I don't know, best case, worst case, week eight. So Mac Jones, I I thought would get a little bit more love. I think my personal pick is going to be Najee Harris. I think that he has an opportunity and a lot of touches to shine in the Steelers offense. Even the Steelers declaring him as the number 22 overall pick is them saying they're going to get back to their old ways, uh, use their running backs in the same way they used to use uh, Le'Veon Bell back in the day, D'Angelo Williams, these traditional power running backs that they used to have. And Najee certainly is a great pick at that point.
1: I can't argue that. I think I think the the simple answer for why is Najee Harris going to be good? The answer is just look at him. Just look at him. He's a gigantic human being that rivals Derrick Henry at the running back position. He's going to be great. There's no way he's not great. That dude is just ridiculous. Great pass uh, catcher
0: too, not just a running back. Like He is going to be involved on literally all three downs. Even Derrick Henry, for as great as he is, he's not nearly the pass catcher that Najee is.
1: Yeah, I'm so mad. He was drafted one pick before me in the second round in fantasy football this year, which was unfortunate. But I love Justin Fields, and I think Justin Fields is going to get in early enough and put up big numbers. The problem is just I don't think he's been given the proper support system to win enough games. And maybe that doesn't matter. Like Justin Herbert won it last year. Justin Jefferson probably should have been co rookie of the year, and he had he was on a team that was like six and ten or seven and nine. But I love. Justin Fields. But I mean, if I were a betting man, I wouldn't bet on it at this point, considering we don't know when he's going to come in during the season, which I guess maybe means this is the best value to play him for. I think again, I'm thinking conventionally Trevor Lawrence is going to put up big numbers. They've got three wide receivers on that team that are at least wide receiver twos. So maybe he falls in love with one of them and just starts going berserk during the season. But all of these guys are going to put up big numbers, or at least three of them are going to put up big numbers. And there's going to be a bit of a debate down the line for sure.
0: My second pick, my second instinct actually here was Zach Wilson, oddly enough. And I question Zach Wilson's long time upside. I'm not nearly as high on him three four years down the road as Tony Romo for example but in year one I could see him having a very Baker-esque type season that's always a comp that's been thrown out there him versus Baker and I think it's because the offense that he plays in that LaFleur Shanahan McVay type offense will give him some easy looks scheme some guys open and give him an opportunity to really stand out amongst the rookie class use some of his best attributes and the fact that he's going to be out there in week one I think is going to be his advantage uh Trevor Lawrence like you mentioned the prodigal son that he is uh will have every opportunity uh, to show why he's the number one overall pick being out there from the start. But I do look at some of the tape from the early preseason games and it did make me question Jacksonville's ability to really keep him upright and on the field, at least with Zach Wilson, you could say the offensive line for the jets should be good this year should be very um, capable of keeping him on his feet could potentially allow him put up some decent numbers out there in New York. I don't know if that's going to give New Yorkers some false hope for the future, and that is something that always scares me, the thought of New Yorkers having some false hope. Yes, they tend to let the rest of the country know about it.
1: Yeah, I've been making fun of Giants fans for about five or six years now for pretending that they have false hopes. So I, I've been enjoying that revelation over the past few years. Jets, if you want some of it, you can get some too. But it's more so Giants fans that have done it to themselves over the past couple of years. But, uh. <laughs> so
0: are you saying we're retiring the Vanilla Vic
1: nickname? Uh, I mean, I'll give him a chance. Not saying it's over, but I think the book is kind of out on what Daniel Jones is going to end up being. Giants fans, you did this to yourselves. You could have had Josh Allen in 2018, but you made the organization keep Eli Manning and fire Ben McAdoo. That's another story for another day. I was actually reading about Justin Herbert. Uh, Mina Kimes did a profile for ESPN on him. And one of the things that he talked about was during Hard Knocks 2020, he basically avoided the cameras as much as possible because he's really introverted and one of those like lead by working ridiculously hard guys, not a get in your face type of person. When his offensive linemen are on stage singing at a golf charity thing, he's like trying to fade off the stage and escape. And Zach Wilson reminds me of that because we're not hearing anything about Zach Wilson. And so that's why his name probably didn't come up in the conversations until you brought him up. And maybe that's a good thing because we honestly have no idea how good any of these quarterbacks are going to be. We have a feeling, Trevor, Lawrence is going to be good but we don't have an exact idea of just how good these guys are going to be
0: statistically you would say that only about two of these guys are actually going to be successful based off past drafts I mean you look at the 2018 class which is going to be the closest comp obviously Rosen done Sam Darnold clean on five you know threads there Baker yeah, he, he is we're kind Sam of still kind is. of in the middle there like we, we think he's a good enough capable NFL starter uh, certainly a lot of people are picking the Browns as one of their Super Bowl picks there but i I think there's still also a good chunk of us that haven't fully bought into the baker mayfield experience lamar superstar questionable in the playoffs and then of course josh allen also being talked about in that mvp vein so at least two of those guys lamar and josh allen are killing it with at least one bona fide nfl starter and baker and then two guys that uh Five teams, four years for Josh Rosen. Uh, yeah. Who knows what's and next for Sam?
1: Certainly. You can go back to a year before that, too, in 2017, where you've got Mahomes and Watson, bona fide stars, Trubisky. NFL and- quarterback. <laughs> yeah, fringe starter. He'll be a 12 year backup or something like that. Then you had Deshaun Kaiser, who's pretty much out of football now. So if you follow that math, there's probably two of them are going to be really good top eight quarterbacks. One or two are going to be above average. You're probably going to have a Jimmy Garoppolo in there somewhere. And then one of them is going to flame out spectacularly. And I'm not going to say it's Mac Jones, but that's kind of my pick at this point. So interesting. I'm we'll a little see. higher
0: on Mac just because of where he landed. I actually like that he landed. Landed in New England. I wouldn't have liked him at three personally, but I liked what where he landed at 15. Obviously, it just really comes down to your situation where you landed. So, I mean, he does turn into Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Bill Belichick will be very happy with that, considering yeah, he no, wanted I think Jimmy that's- from the
1: start at pick 15 at the value they got him at if he becomes a Derek Carr and starts 100 games for you that's a huge victory for the New England Patriots even if it's average as long as you don't get into that QB purgatory situation where like you're keeping Andy Dalton or Jay Cutler like three years too long then you're probably okay but you'll worry about that five years down the road at least you can get the quarterback in the door right now and also there's no reason all five can't be great this year also sneaky pick Jalen Waddle if he's a true wide receiver one and the Dolphins have a top 10 offense maybe Jalen Waddle sneaks into that conversation
0: maybe I think it's gonna be harder for Waddle to really shine this year just they went out there and got Will Fuller and Devontae Parker is you know he still has that first round pedigree and at least the last couple years removed the bus status that was attached to his name let's talk about the NFL defensive player of the year or basically the Aaron Donald award he is at plus 550 here he's won three of the last four Miles Garrett is actually tied with him in Vegas odds at plus 550 as well tj watt trails them both at plus 800 chase young at plus 900 and then nick bosa who was also a candidate for comeback player of the year is sitting at plus 1400 just a little bit above joey who was at plus 1600 there it's hard to bet against aaron donald at this point I, if he just does what he normally does, is consistent stat line, I think that the voters are almost obligated to side with him. I would like to see some new blood, personally. It would be kind of nice from a uh, fan perspective in here. And then the two picks that are behind him, Miles Garrett and TJ Watt, it's just really going to come down to, can they get that 15 to 20 sack range. That's really what's going to be able to put them up for that award. What do you think? Uh, I'm leaning Garrett. If someone's going to upset Donald.
1: Aaron Donald's so good, man. But there, if there are two people who are right there in terms of talent level, like in in terms of just, you look at them and you just know that these guys are so much better than everyone else. It's going to be miles Garrett and chase young. And I don't know if chase young's ready or like good enough to, win the defensive player of the year if he's got enough clout going into year two but those are the two that i think of i, I was actually surprised that the bosas ended up there before chase young considering that he's a trendy pick right now
0: no chase young um, is ahead of them chase young is plus 900 right now oh okay bosa is is plus bosa. 1400 and well, bosa and bosa plus 1400 plus 1600 with the younger brother nick at plus plus fourteen.
1: Okay, they were above then. Okay, so those are the two I think of. Usually they give it to secondary players whenever there is. There's like not a clear and obvious winner. Gilmore won it a couple years ago because there wasn't anyone who was clear and obviously the defensive player of the year. But if you're looking for someone in the secondary to maybe compete there, I would throw out Marlon Humphrey, the corner for the Baltimore Ravens. Could be a threat to win defensive player of the year, get some clout in the defensive player of the year conversation but maybe won't win it because it's hard for secondary players to win it. But if you're looking for someone who's an unconventional pick, I, I think Baltimore is going to be better at applying pressure with four this year. Obviously, they have this weird rotating door of Calais Campbell when healthy and they had Yanikan Gakwe for a while and now Judon is gone and Derek Wolf is back. So I think they'll be better this year at applying pressure with four, even without Judon. And that should create more targets for Marlon Humphrey, which is more just a situation for Marlon Humphrey to get interceptions. And as simple as it seems, interceptions sometimes make the difference in deciding the gaudy stats for defensive player of the year. I know that helped Xavier Howard last year having like 10 interceptions for the Dolphins. So Marlon Humphrey maybe is that new blood that you're hoping for.
0: I'll throw out a dark horse as well. Um, His name has went quiet in the last couple of years, but our interpretation of what he was as a rookie was someone who should be competing for this award. If you're going to mention a secondary player, why not like a Derwin James? If this guy could just stay healthy, that hybrid type player that he was, he was involved in pass rush situations. Obviously he can pick a ball. He's good for hundred plus tackles every year. The fact that he could do a little bit of everything, I think should make him viable in this award conversation because a similar conversation comp to him as uh, Jamal Adams, but the general consensus is that he might be better in coverage than Jamal Adams is. Oh, at least if we're going to throw out dark horse potential names, if he could just stay healthy, Derwin James was in that conversation a couple years ago. Certainly people coming back in his second year thought he would be a candidate to potentially be in that award talk.
1: Yeah. And one of my favorites is Darius Leonard as well, for similar reasons. Sometimes the award could be as simple as who's the best defensive player on the best defensive team and both the chargers and the Colts. Colts have a chance to potentially be the number one defense in the NFL this year if all goes well. So those are two names that I think of that way. The problem I have with Leonard is just that he's unvaccinated. So he might miss a couple games during the season, which is always a risky pick. But if the Colts do have the number one defense, then that ends up being a victory for Darius Leonard and finally establishing that he is the best middle linebacker in the NFL. No, no disrespect to Bobby Wagner or your boy Fred Warner, but Darius Leonard is a freak.
0: If we're going to throw out a linebacker, I'm going to throw out one of the Tampa Bay guys, though. Uh, Devin White, I think, has an opportunity, too, as well. We might as well just go all three levels here, you know. Obviously, the defensive ends, the outside edge rushers are getting the most love in this because they have the best opportunity at splash plays. Derwin James, like you mentioned, Marlon Humphreys in the secondary, uh, Darius Leonard, Devin White. Um, Okay, well, let's look at the NFL Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, So this award is... At least I look at it this way. It's given to the best non-quarterback on offense because that's usually going to be your MVP. Uh, last year was obviously Derrick Henry because 2,000-yard rushing season. It's rare. It's something that doesn't happen that often. Uh, before that, I believe it was Christian McCaffrey with his crazy season that fantasy owners remember. Um this year currently the uh, top 5 breaks down as such, Derrick Henry plus 900, uh, Patrick Mahomes plus 1000, Christian McCaffrey plus 1200, Aaron Rodgers at plus 1400 and Dalvin Cook at plus 1800. I'm surprised they have Derrick Henry on here to repeat Second year in a row, because the uh, history of running backs have gone for 2,000 yards, it isn't kind to them the next year afterwards. There is a notable drop-off, and I know Derrick Henry is a physical freak. If you want any more proof of that, just look up his high school rushing numbers. But I don't see him repeating. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is a great person to mention here. May be wrong on this, may need to be fact-checked, but I don't believe a wide receiver has ever won this award,
1: surprisingly enough. Michael Thomas in 2019, I believe was the it. first. Yes. Okay,
0: so only one in the history of this award. I wanted to be cute on it last year and say year of the tight end, but- did not happen. Always come to fruition.
1: It looks like Jerry Rice won it a couple times too. Just looking it up real quick here. So it looks like Jerry Rice and Michael Thomas are the only wide receivers that have won the award, which I didn't know they were giving it all the way back then. But It's it just
0: harder for a wide receiver to stand out. And this is the same discussion that went into the Heisman argument last year. Wide receivers just come off as more that ingredient in the soup rather than the soup itself. That's why I don't see any wide receivers really popping in terms of this award. If I had to choose a favorite, he's just a little bit down the list. I'm going to go with Alvin Kamara. I think Alvin Kamara, certainly in the first few weeks of this Saints season, is going to be the preferred passing option. And I could see him exceeding 100 receptions this year, which would put him on pace for that thousand thousand mark that elevated guys like David Johnson, elevated guys like Christian McCaffrey in the past when it came to consideration for this award. Yeah, give me the Saints running back, Alvin Kamara.
1: The Derrick Henry thing is difficult, and I'm hoping for the best because I picked him in fantasy football this year, but I have no reason to believe Derrick Henry can't go for 2,000 yards again. It's just so difficult for guys to go for 2,000 yards again, and you mentioned it with the wide receivers. like You have to be Michael Thomas who breaks the all-time receptions record, or you have to be like Calvin Johnson who broke the receiving yards record for a single season. Problem for him was that he just happened to do it in the exact same season that Peyton Manning threw for like 55 touchdowns. So he ended up just being in a year where there was awesome play. It was either that or the Adrian Peterson 2000 yard season. So one of those two ended up derailing Calvin Johnson, but I'm going to throw out a different name that is cheating the award title a bit, but I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson. And it's just because Lamar Jackson puts up such weird offensive numbers that unless he has a crazy season like he did in 2019, it's going to be tough for him to win MVP, although I'd like to pick him to win MVP. I want to, but I can't because I know how difficult it is when your team is not the best player on the best team. But I think Lamar Jackson's is going to rush for a thousand yards. It's going to maybe throw for 30 touchdowns. And if he finishes somewhere near the top of the MVP, maybe he gets the offensive player of the year award for the dual efforts of passing and rushing the ball
0: if it's close then i could see them going with a second quarterback for the offensive player of the year and louv giving them the mvp i i could see someone like that popping up even another potential name i'll throw out there in that same vein like a kyler murray someone who does a lot of things similar because a lot of people were expecting kyler murray to maybe take that mvp type step like lamar like josh allen third year for them so he has an opportunity to put up some big time numbers that could potentially put him in that conversation as well okay well let's talk about the big guy then nfl mvp the favorite going in is going to be patrick mahomes at plus 600 aaron Rodgers sitting behind him at plus 1100 to repeat josh allen plus 1400 tom brady plus 1400 and dak prescott at plus 1600 so that's your top five uh my personal favorite in this mix you know i think everyone just likes a good story and i feel as though nfl voters as we potentially look at the swan song i'm gonna go with tom brady I'm going to say with the fact that they're returning all 11 starters on that Bucks offense, another year with that system and Brady relentlessness in pursuit of greatness. I think I'm going to put him is going to put him back in that MVP conversation.
1: The numbers just might be there, which is scary for me to think, given that he's 44 years old, but he's going to have to hit a certain threshold of numbers to be able to get it. Like last year, he was all right he was like quarterback 11 last year in like yards completion percentage he was in the around the halfway point so he was just almost there last year I think the numbers just might be there this year for Tom Brady to to have the case I just won't be the one to pick it because I am a Mahomey through and through Mahomes is definitely my pick because how can you bet against him in any season but I want to show some love to someone who's probably just barely creaking the top 10 of this list which is Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson has all always been a hall of fame type of quarterback and he gets poop all the time for not having an MVP first place vote which is not fair to Russell Wilson at all like he's been so great over the past few years of his career I don't think he's gonna win what's he gonna do you know it just every year just they're just someone that's
0: better it just how it happens man because i agree with you yeah russell wilson last year he started off ball of fire everyone is fully expecting it and then just the consistency of rogers over time and russ fell off it seems to happen every year so i agree with you that it's a Crazy that he hasn't gotten a vote, but I understand like every year, there's just always someone. It's like Drew Brees. Drew Brees has retired, gone, no MVP consideration, even in his best year, the 5,000 yard passing year where he broke Dan Moreno's record.
1: Yeah. I I love, uh, I think it was Gridiron Heights made the joke about that where they had matching sweaters with Russell Wilson and Drew Brees because he is kind of his generation's Drew Brees. He's easily a Hall of Famer. He's won a Super Bowl, and now he and the Seahawks have won more games in a six year stretch than any team in NFL history that has never made it to a conference championship game. And that's kind of the weird legacy of the Seahawks is that they've been that same team, but they've got talent. So I'll give them props there. And, you know, we didn't talk about them at all here, which is kind of strange, but maybe people give credit for a Rams division title to Matthew Stafford. So maybe he doesn't win it, but he finishes near the top five because people will say, well, what's the difference between last year's Rams and this year's Rams? Well, it's Matthew Stafford and now the Rams win the division. So Matthew Stafford should be an MVP and he gets his props that are due. I don't know if the Rams are going to be that good, but Matthew Stafford is a trendy preseason pick because there's so much optimism going on in Los Angeles right now.
0: I did see a lot of love for Matthew Stafford very early on in the process as well. I guess the thing for both Stafford, Brady and, uh, uh, even Mahomes to a certain extent, is they don't have the rushing upside that a lot of these uh, other picks behind them do have. Like uh, you mentioned a Lamar Jackson, there's Josh Allen there. The fact that they have such a high floor, being able to be that dual threat quarterback does help them in these MVP conversations. It was actually impressive that Rodgers was able to do that, but just simply because of how proficient his uh, QBR the fact that he doesn't turn the ball over you you also got to look at Rodgers if he just maintains that no turn the ball over 40 touchdowns all these guys also have another game to potentially stat pad a little bit we could potentially see some records fall this year just because again extra game more opportunity Is the MVP
1: race just going to become a race to 50 touchdowns? It's just whichever quarterback gets to 50 touchdowns fastest. And that's the case. Josh Allen deserves some kind of love here. If this is just going to become a race to 50 touchdowns. But with the extra game, I think Rodgers had like 48 last year. Lamar was close with all-purpose touchdowns. I think he had like 46 all-purpose touchdowns during his MVP season. Mahomes had 50. Rodgers had 48. So maybe this just becomes who gets to 50 touchdowns, gets to win MVP.
0: Yeah, Mahomes, the last two years, it's just been a little minor tweak or injury that's kept him away from taking back the MVP trophy. It makes sense that Vegas has been the favorite. I'm just thinking, what's going to be that story? And there's some speculation. I know there's been this speculation every year, if this is Brady's last year, and I could see the voters wanting to give him one last MVP trophy before he's down. And if he happens to put up those numbers that we're expecting the Bucks offense to put up, that 50 touchdowns, reduce the interceptions traditional tom brady type season i don't see any reason why he wouldn't be considered uh, in that discussion but Mm -hmm. okay well that does it for the individual honors i we have a lengthy list of games to get to here so we should definitely fly by these as best we can so starting off thursday night football the dallas cowboys going into tampa the dallas cowboys are eight point underdogs in the opener does that sound about right to you kyle
1: uh, I would say that makes sense. I mean, I don't think anyone's outright picking Dallas to win. It would be quite shocking, but I think a touchdown plus is a, it might, it's actually, I think one of the biggest lines of the week, um, which obviously it's early. So that might change, but I think that's more a testament to just how good the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are than anything else. So, I mean, the Cowboys aren't terrible, but this is a, an average team or an above average team against a really good team. And usually that does work in favor of the really good team.
0: Yeah, so with that said, in this game, I guess I got to go with Vegas here. I got to say, I think Tampa is going to win. I think they're going to come more prepared, and this does seem like a ultimate Brady revenge season. Obviously, if I'm picking him for MVP, I think he's going to have a good year, and I think that's going to start with a good opening week. And then when I don't know how well Dallas's defense has improved in just the one-off season. Yes, they've added a lot of talented defensive rookies, uh, starring first with Micah Parsons, but are we convinced that Dan Quinn, who had a horrible defense with the Falcons the last couple years is going to come in in place of Mike Nolan and instantly turn around this defense so I'm going to say that the Bucks go in there dominate and plus eight minus eight whatever yeah that sounds about right
1: yeah I'll go with you I I think there is a scenario where we have a Cooper Rush entering the game. So I think I think that's on the table where we just get to garbage time and the, the Bucks are up 21 or some point spread like that. So I think Tampa does end up winning the game rather handily. Maybe the Cowboys have a backdoor cover in them, but obviously I'm casting a wide net between losing by seven and losing by 21. So Tampa is going to win easily. It's just a matter of point spread.
0: <laughs> okay, well, let's look at the Sunday slate as we prepare for seven consecutive Hours of NFL football on your television screen. We're, yes, I'm glad that you,
1: I'm glad that you did not say that Bears Rams counts as football. I'm glad that you made that distinction. That doesn't count as real football on Sunday night.
0: Yeah, important to not miss the uh, minor details there. <laughs> uh, but starting first with that 1 p.m. kickoff slot, so Eastern Time 1 p.m. early morning games. If you are, so you get your cereal bowl ready and watch some NFL action. The uh, Pittsburgh Steelers are six and a half point underdogs going into Buffalo. Obviously, everyone's expecting just this huge drop off for the Steelers. uh, So that's why I think that this line is a little bit closer to a touchdown. I'm not as much of a pessimist on the Steelers overall as the year goes. I think um, I actually have them winning about nine games this season as a whole. Just week one isn't going to be one of them because I do see the Buffalo Bills as a 13 win team this year. So Buffalo is going to win, but I'm not on the Steelers hate train that a lot of other people are on.
1: Yeah, I think this line is set perfectly. I think Pittsburgh is still pretty good. They're probably going to lose week one, but that's not a problem for Pittsburgh. They're just playing a really good team. I I think Pittsburgh could make the playoffs. I don't know who's going to be that seventh playoff team in the AFC after you have Chiefs, Bills, Ravens, Browns, Patriots, and whoever wins the crappy AFC South. I don't know who that seventh team is going to be. Maybe it's Pittsburgh. I'm not going to rule it out. They'd have to beat up on Baltimore and Cleveland a couple times, which is really their season comes down to those four games is what do they do against Baltimore and Cleveland? Can they get a split in four games? Maybe, but I, I, I am with you. I think Buffalo is going to win week one. Uh, there's no Josh Allen hate here. I've admitted I'm wrong. And Buffalo is going to have a pretty good game, even though their defense <laughs> is questionable, like Gregory Rousseau as a draft pick, maybe as a quick impact player, but a lot of questions, everywhere except the quarterback and the wide receiver for Buffalo
0: just hoping for big Najee Harris week one Uh, hopefully the Bills defense like you said is still a bit on the softer side I could use that uh, benefit because unlike you I did get my Najee Harris share just throwing that out there (laughs) okay we got a revenge game though in week one right out the gate the New York Jets plus five going into Carolina. So Sam Darnold facing his former team. That's at least a narrative you could craft over this one versus Zach Wilson. The Carolina Panthers, uh, they do have a lot of good things going for them, like on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, you mentioned uh, Chin, uh, Brian Burns, too, a good edge rusher. I think that's going to give a lot of problems for rookie quarterback in Zach Wilson. Obviously, the addition of getting uh, Christian McCaffrey back. I do hesitate just because for all the Adam Gase-ness that existed, I still am not convinced that Sam Darnold is a good NFL quarterback, and it's going to take a lot for me to get over that hump with him. But week one facing a team that was drafting at the top of the NFL draft a season ago, that's really a good place to start. Give me Carolina going over
1: in week one. I am going to take the Jets, And if you're not totally confident in the jets, because I'm not going to say they're going to blow them out. I think the jets will win the game. Take them with the points. Cause I think the line's like five and a half right now. So I would take the Jets with points and we'll figure this out on on take it easy later on. But this is one of those games that I am going to lock in and feel good about the Jets winning in week one, which Jets fans don't want that because Jets fans are expecting the worst, which is Sam Darnold to throw 350 yards and four touchdowns to make them pay for getting rid of him. But I think the Jets are really good. And they won't be great this year, but I think the Jets are going to start turning a corner. And maybe Zach Wilson doesn't have totally impressive numbers. Maybe his QBR is middle of the road. But even with that, I think it still should be enough to beat a Carolina Panthers team that they're pretty good. That's the thing you can say about the Panthers. Are pretty good. So, I like the Jets this week actually to pull off a week one victory for like the first time in four years, I think.
0: Okay. First upset of the day. So, yeah, I could see it. I could see that game going either way, but I'm going to give Carolina at least a little bit of credit. I'm going to give their coach Matt Rule, Joe Brady out there, a little bit of credit in winning their opener. Next game up. So, a game that's good enough to be on a, any Thursday night football is going to be Jacksonville going into Houston. Two and a half point line in favor of the Jaguars. So, the first road favorite going in, uh, Houston, obviously, a lot of people are projecting them to be the biggest mess in the NFL this year. Tyrod Taylor is going to be officially the starting quarterback. Uh, there's going to be a lot of positive buzz going into for Jacksonville in terms of. Obviously, again, the prodigal son, Trevor Warrens, Urban Meyer. It's hard for me to pick <laughs> Houston to do much of anything this year. I have them going 1-15. So I think that, of course, starts with a very rough home game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, so, yeah, I got to go with my, my, my season predictions had them going.
1: If you are going to pick one game that Houston wins, this is probably the conventional pick because they're at home. They're playing against the other team. That's terrible in their division. I'm not going to go that far. I'm going to pick Jacksonville and whatever the point spread is, because I I honestly don't care. I'll take Jacksonville as long as it's under 10 points. I'll take Jacksonville in the points. But if you're going to find one for Houston, maybe this is the one they win. But if I pick against Houston every single week, I'm going to be right way more often than I'm going to be wrong this year. So I'll take Jacksonville if you're looking for daily fantasy values we talked about Sam Darnold last game not many people are going to pick him but maybe he goes off and take James Robinson James Robinson could have a nice day against the Texans defense that will not be able to stop the run this year just no chance they're going to be able to stop any running back
0: Next team up, next game. We got the Arizona Cardinals going into Tennessee. The tight ends are going to be a three-point favorite in this game. I have the tight ends finishing fourteen and three here in my season really? predictions. Yeah, I had. I just looked at the schedule. And I just went through each game, and I just ended up with fourteen and three. And I was like, okay, well, guess the tight ends are going to be my number one seed this year, according to how everything turned out. That's going to start with having a good game against a team that. I I don't know if I I can fully buy into what the Cardinals are selling me. Um, Obviously, Kyler Murray, he's great. He's a fantastic talent. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, all these pieces they have around him. And they just went out there, acquired A.J. Green and J.J. Watt in the offseason. But their coach just doesn't do anything for me. And I think they're a very soft team. Very soft team, honestly, against a very hard-nosed, hard-line team like the Titans. They're just going to run the ball down your throat. It's easy, the Titans, for me here.
1: Yeah, I think the the penis chopper Mike Vrabel is like the anti-Cliff Kingsbury. I think those two are probably the, the antithesis of each other at this point in their football careers. I'm with you that the Titans win, but I am definitely not as high on the Titans as you are this year. And part of that is that Derrick Henry was so effective last year, and it's going to be so hard to replicate that production on offense. Yeah, they got Julio Jones, but they had to replace about 1,500 passing yards with Jonu Smith and Corey Davis And I'm thinking of someone else, but I can't remember who it is, but they got Josh Reynolds, which helps. So let's just say John and Corey Davis, you have to replace about 1500 yards receiving somewhere in there. And Julio Jones is going to do the bulk of that. And also they were really lucky in one possession games last year. I think their expected win total was about FPI said they were about 9.4 last year. And I think they went 11 and five. So they were really lucky in one score games that are like toss up type of games. Mm -hmm. So i'm not as high on the titans as you but i listen, do think i wasn't
0: expecting leave. to be that high on them it just when everything came out i looked at the records i was like okay 14 and 3 wow okay i guess i just looked at their schedule their situations going into each game and it just what sped out for me what the record came so they do have a I very was,
1: easy schedule too they, yeah, they have to play some first what place teams that's but. what it
0: really came down to, I guess. I saw them potentially going over on some of the NFC West teams. Hell, I even gave my Niners a loss against them late in December. You can only hope that their defense is improved and their offensive line is improved as well. And I think that was probably the difference maker there. But this particular game, we both in agreement the Titans are going to win it. Season-long uh, could go either way, but I are we at least in agreement the Titans are a playoff team, probably? Someone's got to win the wow. AFC that's, South. That's probably the difference maker. Yes, I. the fact that I gave them six wins alone in division, I think was probably the reason they ended up so high.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably going to do it. And Out of respect for Jacksonville, I think Jacksonville can beat them one time. Not saying they will, but I think they can. Them and the Colts are going to split their season series. It's just, See, that's it's... the
0: problem though. That's Derrick Henry's favorite game in the year. Like he earmarks that game every single year. Oh, you want me to throw up 200 rushing yards? Jacksonville, let me just go ahead and run for 99 yards, stiff arm three guys along the way. So. One of my favorite NFL runs right there. That, that is a, Iowa... that
1: is a good one. I, I had him, uh, the Thursday night one against Jacksonville that went 99 yards. He was on my bench in fantasy football that week, which was, that must've hurt. I, yeah. That one was hard to live down for the rest of the year. <laughs>
0: So the Chargers are going into Washington. And traditionally, obviously, a West Coast team going to the East Coast week one has been a very poor matchup for that team. And I'm high on the Chargers, yes. But this is not a great matchup for a sophomore quarterback going against Washington's front seven. You know that they're going to get a lot of heat thrown at them. And I I think it's just going to be a lot for Justin Herbert. Yes, I love the talent that is him. But this is traditionally just one of those games that the Chargers lose. So I'm going to go with Washington.
1: The Chargers do find a way to uh, to lose these games over and over again. And as someone originally from San Diego, who was born into the Charger fandom, who then abandoned the Chargers fandom when they abandoned me, these may not be your granddaddies or daddies or my childhood's Chargers anymore. I think that uh, they'll win the game. These two teams are very similar on paper, I think. I mean, the Chargers are better on offense by a significant amount, but both of them feel like they're going to be in that eight and nine territory this year or like nine and eight just fighting around 500. But I will give the Chargers the props. So yes, it's the 10 o'clock West Coast start for weird body clock situations, but I'll go against you for a second time here and uh, roll with uh the Los Angeles Chargers.
0: Okay. Next game, we have the Philadelphia Eagles sitting at plus three going into Atlanta. This is going to be my first upset pick. I think I'm going to go with the Eagles here because I think that Jalen Hurts can cause enough problems, cause enough chaos for that Atlanta Falcons defense that is still going through a lot of turnover wasn't that efficient last year yeah I just don't think that this is a good game for them out the gate I think that the type of team that the Eagles are the type of team that can uh, cause some matchup disadvantages with their quarterback is just bad scheme (laughs) fit.
1: I like that pick, even if I'm going to pick the Falcons. I like the the thought process going into that because Philadelphia is, for the most part, setting up Jalen Hurts to fail this year. They've, they've stripped a lot of the roster of talent. They didn't really make huge moves other than through their draft picks this offseason. Zach Ertz is still there, which was surprising. I'm surprised that he's still in the Eagles uniform this year. And I don't know what to do with the Falcons, but I think there's only one way to go for the Falcons and it's up because they had the worst record in the NFC last year. So I think they'll get better. I think the Eagles will get worse. And that's the only math I'm doing to say the Falcons will win is just that the Falcons are a better team. But I know that's not how football works. I know that there are random results every single week that don't make sense. So I like the Eagles upset pick, but I don't have the cojones to pick the Eagles over the Falcons in this week one matchup. Listen, I
0: hate the Eagles this year. I think I had them finishing with four wins and why I think this could be one of them is just styles make fights. I think this is a great stylistic matchup for them. I think another big problem for them the Falcons slow starts they have been so slow out the gate the last couple years and I think that catches up to them once again in this particular game the next game the Seattle Seahawks are going to be two and a half point favorites going into an Indianapolis the question surrounding Carson Wentz And his injury had been one of the biggest things falling around the Colts. It would have already been questionable for him to start week one. And now he's got this COVID situation. The Colts have that as well going through their locker room. And I I think it just sets up very poorly for them in this game. Not only that, if they do have to throw up Jacob Eason, I, I just don't think a lot of things line up in favor for them. And that's why Seattle who always starts off the season strong will have a good start here.
1: I am very interested to see what happens with Russell Wilson because he left a sour taste in everyone's mouth at the end of last season. He had like double digit interceptions, just got blanked by the Rams in that wild card game. So I think everyone's interested to see what the Seahawks are going to look like this year. They've got a new offensive coordinator. Shane Waldron, uh, yeah. Coming over from that Rams scheme and Shane Waldron, it's a fun story. He was basically like the babysitter for Jared Goff during that Super Bowl run, which is kind of interesting that now three years later he's an offensive coordinator because they've hired so many of the McVay assistants over the last few years. So maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't for the Seahawks. This one I think they'll win. Although I will say uh, we were talking to our buddy Razor Rosenthal from Beer Life Sports, their their daily fantasy guy says he is going all in on Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz could be a boom or bust type of situation in daily fantasy. This week and not a lot of people are going to pick him now does that mean the Colts are going to be down 28 and he's going to have to throw 50 passes possibly I don't know how the game script works for that but he really likes Carson Wentz to put up big numbers for some reason
0: yeah I, I think it's just for me right now with just the uncertainties injuries sickness everything it just lining up very poorly for at least his start to his Colts tenure and I think that that will have lasting effects throughout the entire season I gosh I wanted to be so much higher on the Colts, too, going into the year. Uh, so much more optimistic, but then it's broken foot, COVID, this, that, other. That's what has me right now. I think I had them finishing uh, closer to six, seven wins on the year than what I wanted to put them at, which was probably around 10-plus wins. Hell, if they could have fought the Titans a little bit more, then they, yeah. they could probably have been up there and ruined that Titans 14-3 and three mark that I had them at.
1: I I think the Colts, if their defense is not elite this year, which I think it's one of the picks I think people could make to say, who are the best defensive units in football? There's not many you can name before you get to the Colts. So if they aren't that good, I tend to agree with you because I don't think there's tons of upside on the offense for them. Maybe Jonathan Taylor goes bonkers this year, but I've been making the joke for years now. Anyone can rush for a thousand yards in the Colts offense. And we know this because Marlon Mack did it twice. And Marlon Mack is anyone. Is not Nelson
0: going to be suiting up in week one, though? I mean... We talked about Carson Wentz, but that's another big piece for that
1: too. Well, from what I've been hearing, the answer is yes, but I I don't think he's been officially cleared to play yet. So we'll see. Pain management issue. And when you're talking about a 300 pounder with a foot issue,
0: it's a problem. Minnesota is going to be three-point favorites heading into this game against Cincinnati on the road. Uh, Cincinnati, obviously, this is going to be our first chance to see Joe Burrow post-injury against this Minnesota team that their defense was bad last year, which was odd because, obviously, if you the one thing you expect from a Mike Zimmer team is that their defense is going to have it all together. But last year, they were led by their offense. Kirk Cousins uh, with the rookie, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Going into Cincinnati, I don't know if Cincinnati has enough to stop them defensively but if Joe Burrow looks like he did pre-injury I think that he could carve up this Minnesota defense that from what it was last year that's why I could actually see this being another upset pick right here Uh, Cincinnati defending
1: the home territory our buddy Blake Jude, who is a Bengals fan, agrees with you that he thinks that this is their upset of the season is beating the Vikings. But you alluded to it a second ago. The Vikings were 26th in defensive DVOA last year. And all those pieces of that great defense from 2017 and 2018, pretty much gone at this point. Everson Griffin is back now, but it's not the same Everson Griffin of yesteryear. Obviously, Xavier Rhodes is out the door. Anthony Barr is still there, but he's not the same Anthony bar as he once was harrison smith just got like the second largest contract for a safety which i was like kind of surprised by i I thought he was kind of headed towards the back end of that career so the vikings are just going all in on these next two years around kirk cousins and dalvin cook but i think they'll be slightly better on defense next year patrick peterson might have some juice left in the tank for minnesota as a cornerback one but i thought the
0: juice was why he was suspended last year
1: that is a good point (laughs) i that is actually a really good joke. I forgot he'd gotten suspended for PEDs a while back, but... Um, it didn't really
0: help him much, though. I don't think any performance was enhanced. He kind of looked a little bit slower. He's lost his step. I think that's big, the biggest thing with Patrick Peterson, whether Mike Zimmer can
1: reincarnate that. I think bigger than anything else, getting Daniel Hunter back is going to be big because he's quietly one of those like defensive player of the year guys that if the team were better, you'd consider him as like a dark horse, but the Vikings defense is going to be so bad that he doesn't have a chance to win the award. Award this year, I'm going to take Minnesota just because I think they're going to score in the 30s. Maybe the Bengals score in the 30s, but it's a lot to ask Joe Burrow in his first game back. Joe Mixon is just the most running back ten running back in all of the NFL right now, so he, you know what you're getting out of him. I'll, I'll take Minnesota in this one and feel okay about it.
0: So this one, obviously, near and dear. I got to show a little bit of bias here, but the Niners are going into Detroit. They're seven and a half point favorites in this game as well. I think this is one of those picks that if people were saying like, what's my lock pick of the week, Uh, the Niners versus Detroit makes a lot of sense. Uh, Obviously a, a team with playoff aspirations going into this team that a lot of people project to be among one of the worst finishers in the league. The Niners' defense has been eating up Jared Goff the last couple of years. And I don't expect a lot to change there. Yeah. Niners. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I think I would take Detroit only for Detroit with the points because I'm used to these weird Lions backdoor covers across the many years now. Obviously, it's a new quarterback, new coach, new offensive coordinator. So we don't really know what to do with the Lions. We just know they're not going to be very good this year. Lions with the points, but 49ers to win the game. And most of that is just because it's week one. It's weird. We don't know what to do with the Lions yet. And so that could mean that they come out and put up 35 points. I don't think that's going to happen, but I don't think they're going to get blanked either by San Francisco. So they're kind of somewhere in the middle. I don't expect the 49ers to go bonkers on Detroit, even though Detroit, I don't know. I I don't see that either.
0: Jimmy Garoppolo is a slow starter. And I I think that that's going to show in this game, but I will say some things too, also in the Niners favor. DeAndre Swift is going in with a questionable tag. Tyrell Williams is always questionable. I'm on Ross St. Brown that was supposed to be their star rookie Uh, For them this year, I've seen a couple of reports that aren't as high on him. Really, what's going to come down to is, can that defense stop the Niners, really? And I think the Niners have a simple game plan. It's going to start with a lot of Raheem Mostert. And I I think that that's going to be what's going to propel them to victory.
1: If I were betting on this, I would like spend the extra money to move the line to like nine and a half and feel really good about betting the Detroit Lions. But if it's going to sit at seven, I'll still roll with the Lions and feel pretty good about it and say that San Francisco is going to win the game, but I'll take a flyer on a backdoor cover for Detroit. Okay,
0: let's move into the afternoon slate. Uh, So the primetime game out the gate is going to be the Cleveland Browns going in a six and a half point underdogs into Kansas City. So I'm very low on the Browns. I had them finishing and I've gotten a lot of flack on this. I had them finishing eight and nine when my record predictions all came down. And Kansas City, I know it's preseason action you have to judge them off of, but their offense looked good in the preseason they didn't allow a lot of pressure on Patrick Mahomes, which shows that their offensive line and the additions they made there were some great core pieces, adding Tooney, adding Brown. And if they could keep that pass rush off of him, then I I think Patrick Mahomes could go bombs away on that secondary, even with the additions of uh, John Johnson.
1: Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up the Browns defense because- The Browns have a new defense. I don't know if they have a great defense because just because they added pieces doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be great on defense. And this is something that I've told people who are like thinking the Browns could be Super Bowl teams this year. I'm not going to say it's not going to happen because I think the Browns are going to take a big step offensively this year and not just be a top rushing team, but also be a top passing team and probably be somewhere near five or six in total team offense this year. But the defense is new this year, and I don't know whether that means they're going to be an elite defense. Now, having Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward as your anchor is great. I don't know if that makes a difference against the Chiefs because they are really susceptible in the middle of the field, which means if you have Travis Kelsey on your fantasy team, I think you're feeling pretty good this week. But I would take Kansas City in this game and I I would take the points but I think that's only because of the respect I have for Kansas City's offense and how many points they can generate just like that before Cleveland scores a field goal on a six-minute drive and then two minutes later the Chiefs have a touchdown so I think because of how rapidly they can score you only bet against the Chiefs if you think that the Browns are going to win the game altogether.
0: Yeah, uh, last year, obviously, it was a tight playoff game, came down to that uh, questionable call with the referees uh, that I think a lot of Browns fans are going into this matchup saying, we want Kansas City, we want Kansas City. And I think Kansas City is going to be more than happy to oblige those invitations. And I think they're going to come out hot. I think they're going to want to set a tone. It's what they did last year whenever they came out against Houston. They wanted to establish who they are, and frankly, I don't think there's going to be a lot standing in the Chiefs' way this year. I have them as my Super Bowl pick. Spoiler: I have them as my Super Bowl pick, and I think it's going to start here in Week One. We have a couple of Alabama quarterbacks going at it. Miami Dolphins plus three going into New England. I think that this is going to be a good game for Bill Belichick. I like the Patriots to win this game. Obviously, there's that stat out there of Bill's record against quarterbacks under 25. And Tua, last year, I know it's unfair to evaluate him based off last year, but he just didn't impress me. And with the pieces that the Patriots are going to get back on their defense, I think that they could just dink and dunk now with Mac Jones enough to get that that offense, at least in that 20 to 30 point range. And I, I think that that's going to be enough to beat these Miami Dolphins. I, I think they're going to cause a lot of problems for uh, Tua as
1: well. I think if the Dolphins offensive line holds up in this game, Miami has a chance to win. If you can give Tua enough time to execute, The weapons are there now. Tua is not terrible. I think the greatest indictment of Tua is that he's not Justin Herbert and never will be Justin Herbert, which is unfortunate, but it's obviously going to minimize the way that we view Tua Tungavailoa going forward. So I wouldn't bet on it. But I would say if Miami is going to win, because this is a winnable game for Miami, just like the Patriots going into Miami is a winnable game for New England. Offensive line's got to get protection for Miami if they're going to pull off the win in this one against Christian Barmore. Matt Judon is going to be healthy for the Patriots. Winovich, Uche, those guys up front. If they can apply pressure with four or five, like I know the blitz packages for New England are always just catastrophic when you try to match up against them. But I would bet the Patriots, but say that there's a path for Miami to win the game. And I like the three point line. I think that game could come down right to like a toss-up on the last drive, whether it's Mac Jones or Tua that has to execute. I think someone's going to end up in Philip Rivers Purgatory, where they are one minute to go, no timeouts, length of the field to go, needing a drive to get three or four points.
0: The matchup between these two last year was were so close. What it came down to um was obviously Cam, the inabilities to just make routine throws, I, I think that they don't have that issue with Mac going into this. This game i think that that's going to put them back ahead of miami in the standings personally and miami was one of those surprise teams last year i'll be curious to see if they can repeat that same success this year new england i picked them to go over you got miami in this one
1: yeah i think i'll roll with miami i don't feel good about it but i'll roll miami by the way i also have the patriots winning 11 or 12 games this year so i'm right there with you on <laughs> the patriots are going to be better than most people think
0: Yeah, seven and nine, and they had all those COVID opt-outs and added, of course, free agents, which free agents at least make you at least better in the year you acquire them, certainly. can age poorly down the line, but at least for the 2021 purposes, New England's uh, core pieces, I think, are going to be great additions. The next game up is going to be kind of a mediocre matchup. The uh, Denver Broncos are going in as favorites into New York, three-point favorites. Obviously, they announced Teddy Bridgewater as a starter going into the year. Uh, with New York, there was a lot of weird stories in the offseason. Uh, there was some fights. There were some players quitting. Are they starting to sell on the Joe Judge stock? Uh, Daniel Jones has looked bad. This is going to be one of those years in which Denver's uh, finally healthy on defense. They don't tra- tend to travel well. That's my only real knock on them. I think I'm going to go with the Broncos, but it is going to be a pretty ugly game in my mind.
1: Oh, this one's the definition of a toss up in my mind. And both of these teams feel like they're going to be like average to below average. And see, we can play my favorite game. Uh, We do NFL awards all the time, but I think my favorite one is the which coach is going to get fired first. I think Vic Fangio might be the favorite. It's either him or Zach Taylor at this point, but the Broncos might want this one because I know it doesn't get much easier for the Broncos after this one. So I think they'll win this game. But we just talked about it with the Patriots actually, and the Giants added so much talent that I think they're going to get better in one season, but it, it reeks of desperation for New York to, to make all the moves that they did this off season, given that Gettleman probably should have been fired after last year, but because they had this weird run at the end of the season where Colt McCoy and Alfred Morris went into Seattle and won a game against Russell Wilson he ended up getting another year to try this thing out the problem for the Giants and this is a problem that can extend all the way through they're going to have the worst offensive line in the NFL it's so bad it's Andrew Thomas might be something good but he was worse than the four tackles taken right after him they're going to be so bad on the offensive line this year and that's not going to help a run-based offense so a lot of outside runs a lot of read options zone schemes hopefully they do some of that stuff because otherwise Danny Dimes and Saquon are going to be running for their lives this year and a
0: bad offensive line certainly against a team like Denver that at least does have a good pass rush with Bradley Chubb Von Miller uh, they're going to be okay in the secondary with the rookie Patrick Chutain the second as well Uh, another thing going against the Giants too is literally all their pass catchers are banged up Galladay he's hurt Kadarius Tony Kadarius Tony he's hurt Uh, yeah Evan Ingram's banged up and how even you mentioned Saquon Saquon might not even play this game or at least be yeah. on limited touches, Danny, which Don- I, I dare
1: you right now, can you name the second running back on the giants? Do you think you can name who the second running back is yeah, Devontae Booker? Cause I have him in fantasy. There you go. Yeah. The, <laughs> so the, pick I, up
0: Devante Booker guys, because uh, that is going to be potentially one of those ones that could help you out.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, if you do really have to play Devontae Booker, I wish you luck going into your fantasy football season, or maybe you're in one of those leagues that has like four flex spots, but
0: Four to five catches, I could see him pulling down. He's always been a decent pass catching running back, but might not be a great matchup in general to throw him out there. I I don't know. It was potential deep league, 14 team league, upside play. That's what Devontae Booker is there.
1: Yeah. Just as a a general rule, if Kyle Rudolph is one of your starters, you're not a great team. That's just a general rule of thumb, is if you see Kyle Rudolph starting at a significant spot where he's going to need like 10 targets a game, your team's in trouble this year.
0: (laughs) We start off the show talking about, um, obviously, Tulane had to – I go offsite for their game. Well, so do the Orleans Saints. They are going to be playing this game in Jacksonville because they are welcoming the Green Bay Packers four and a half point underdogs to the Packers. Uh, first real start for Jameis in a couple years now. I'm high on Jameis overall for the season. I'm high on the Saints overall for the season. But the Packers, now that they have Aaron Rodgers back in tow, uh, they've been 13 and three over the last two years and they didn't have to relocate their entire practice training, everything in the last week. So a lot of factors are just going in the Packers' favor. I think even with the points, this is a easy win for them.
1: Yeah, I think Green Bay is going to win, but I will give you the the way that New Orleans wins. is Number one, the Packers cannot stop the run to save their lives. They haven't been able to for three years now, and I don't think that'll continue this year because they haven't really addressed the, the linebacker and defensive tackle positions yet. So if you just power run on them, I think you're going to do good. I was surprised that the Saints just up and cut Latavius Murray today when he's been kind of that power back for them for a couple of years now Um, pick up tony
0: jones jr is the lesson this day (laughs) i wish i slept on waivers didn't have yeah no that's that's a good
1: one there but (laughs) obviously it's a sign that alvin Kamara is going to get 80 percent of the touches this year he's going to be i think you picked him for offensive player of the year earlier (laughs) on here in the show could see
0: him easily going over 100 receptions this year
1: it starts here. And then the second one, which is a little bit of a no-doy one, it's like being cautiously optimistic, forced turnovers of Aaron Rodgers, which maybe you compromise and get fumbles but force Aaron Rodgers to throw to the wide receivers. Devontae Adams is going to be shadowed by Marshawn Lattimore, who is one of the most confusing players in the NFL. He's been so difficult to figure out over the last few years. CJ Gardner Johnson is a name people know at this point, but maybe don't recognize he's one of the better slot corners in the NFL. So that should be good. Malcolm Jenkins comes back this year. So, Force Rodgers to throw those secondary players and get interceptions. That's going to be the way that you counter the game is for is the same way the Bucks beat up on Green Bay a couple of years ago when Rodgers had like two pick sixes on back to back plays is force turnovers and run the ball right down the Packers throat.
0: Overall, I think that this is a good way to start the Packers season and on their road to potentially as they call it their last
1: stance type season. Yeah, I, I like the Packers in this one for that reason. The
0: Bears are going to be going into Los Angeles as seven and a half point underdogs. It's a little bit of a high line, but I guess with Andy Dalton, a game thrown out there as potential cannon fodder for a defense that was ranked the number one overall defense last year. I, I could see why that line has shifted uh, so far in the Rams' favor. This is going to be a little bit of a throwback. Obviously, Matthew Stafford for years going against the Bears. I don't know, seven and a half points. Dude, I, I guess it's just the Andy Dalton thing. I'm going with the Rams, but could I see the Bears' defense causing some some problems for Matthew Stafford? I could see it. They've done it for years. They certainly have a lot of game tape on him. I know it's a new scheme, but uh, I,
1: maybe I'm not expecting the Rams to just run over the Bears. I expect the Rams to win this one and win it pretty handily. And it's not just Andy Dalton. I know that that we'd like to throw shade over at Andy Dalton, but it's the fact that Andy Dalton's okay and Mitchell Trubisky is okay if you can run the football, which the Bears couldn't do for like 11 weeks last year. And then David Montgomery had like 700 rushing yards in the last five weeks of the season. Problem is the Rams pride themselves on rushing defense. So I don't think that's gonna be an option for the Bears. I don't see any way they're gonna be able to score points in this game and maybe they'll give some points back to the rams because if andy dalton turns the ball over that's going to immediately convert into points the reason to watch this game is obviously matthew stafford it was like eight months ago that he got traded this is the first time we're going to see him in any capacity with the rams because i don't believe he played any preseason games so it's just very very exciting to get to finally see what matthew stafford can do when he's given his second top 10 defense or top 15 defense of his nfl career
0: Certainly from a game planning standpoint, you know that Sean McVay's just had the starters purely focusing on this game for the last three weeks, told them, don't even worry about preseason. That's, that's not even on your radar. Week one. I don't know if I like or hate or where I feel about Sean McVay's strategy. You have some old heads like, like uh, Andy Reid out there putting out Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady out there playing preseason games, and then you just have the Rams who are... Nope. Nobody. Nada. You're not even going out there for a game. So the main storyline here is just how does Matthew Stafford look now that the excuses of being on a Lions team aren't there? I think that's the biggest question that not just in this game, but overall for the season that I want to see answered. Is Matthew Stafford more than just the hype? Because... I've seen a lot of people like jumping it up to, oh, he's been a top 10 quarterback over the last decade. I'm like, has he?
1: I just- He's kind of been the bar. He's like where you cut off the top 10. Is like right around Stafford. He might be 11, he might be 12, he might be nine, but usually Stafford is like the final cutoff line before guys who you know they're definitely not top 10, like Kirk Cousins or Baker Mayfield. Guys, you definitely know they're not top 10, but they're kind of right there.
0: I guess, you know, obviously- I know it's not just a quarterback stat, but you just would have liked to have seen a little bit more. I know it's the Lions, but you would just like to have seen just one year, which that talent overcame the coaching, the talent around him. And, you know, obviously popped And just Matthew Saffron Square has just been underwhelming um, going for the Rams here, but we'll be tuning in. It's Sunday Night Football. We're going to be tuning in regardless. So what are we going to talk about?
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay,
0: the Monday night game. So we only have one Monday night game this year. That kind of surprised me. But uh, yeah,
1: I think it's because it's the extra week and ESPN didn't want to pay for an extra Monday night game. So they just spread it out across the full season.
0: Well, they got a good one because this is going to be first time that we really get to see that Raider Stadium at full capacity. Las Vegas welcoming the Baltimore Ravens. Not an ideal game for them right out the gate. Uh, Certainly John Gruden and Mike Mayock as they hope to Make waves in Gruden's fourth year out there. They're four and a half point underdogs to the Ravens. God, I'm picking the Ravens, but I don't think that it's going to be quite the game that people are like expecting from here because the Raiders did a great job in primetime games last year, beating the Chiefs, beating the Saints on Monday Night Football. The problem is, and I think the big difference in this game is the Raiders linebackers and always been so slow. So I don't know how they really contain the athleticism of Lamar Jackson I think that's going to be the big difference in the weak point in this game even as Baltimore's backfield continues to crumble around them with Justice Hill and uh J.K. Dobbins both injured in the last week
1: yeah and the Raiders have had problems in the front seven over the past few years, and part of that was Max Crosby being great in his rookie year and then not being so great next year. And so they bring in Yannick and Cleland Cleveland Furl was the, <laughs> the payoff of all of their tanking and trading. All those players was to get Cleveland Furl, and that hasn't worked out very well for them so far. So I thought Baltimore would be a, a heavier favorite, but I am interested. What did you have as Baltimore's record this year when you went through the? Uh the this pick by pick of the games
0: baltimore's record let me take a look
1: here cuz baltimore's gotten a lot of fluctuation between people this year i've seen people go in a lot of different directions on baltimore I
0: believe I had them finishing 13 and four this season. You just give a lot, a lot of credit to Lamar Jackson. Like all he does is win. And I think that going into any game, I feel like you give them a chance. There's not really too many games in which you feel like the Ravens don't necessarily have the right ability to compete within a game. I, I think the star power certainly speaks for itself.
1: I agree with you on that, and I think they will win the AFC North this year, but I think that's just conventionally picking Lamar Jackson because Lamar Jackson is unbelievable and amazing and just dominates the sport, even though they've had so many injuries this year. It's been brutal for them to kick off the season, but maybe they've always got the two Sammy Watkins games in their back pocket, but I think the Raiders game will be one where they don't need to break out the Sammy Watkins tool yet. I think they'll they'll keep that for when they need it more. So I like Baltimore. I thought four and a half was a little low. I thought that line would hang around like six and a half or seven, but I- I'll take Baltimore to win and get the points. Well,
0: that does it. NFL week one in the books. That's uh, definitely a <laughs> episode that I was thinking was, man, maybe you should have split up the awards, split up NFL week one, but oh, wow, well, it's, it's football. We just got to get these predictions out there. So you can ridicule us later. That that is the main thing.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. You can come back and laugh at me for saying that the Bills would go six and ten last year and being laughably wrong about Josh Allen.
0: Listen, the last two years I've picked the Packers to go six and ten. I don't know if it's an internal spike or the previous year, I I guess I rationalized it as they were a six and ten team in a 13 and three Wolf's clothing. And <laughs> Sure enough, they came back the year. Air revenge, Rogers, and uh, definitely put a damper on my parade there, but. Whatever, whatever makes old takes exposed uh, that's what it yeah comes down. no
1: we we can be laughably wrong and, and laugh it off at the end that's kind of the the purpose of this stuff is to be able to go back and laugh at it later in the season when uh, i don't know the 49ers miss the playoffs i don't know something weird like that wow, happens i just got to
0: throw that shot out there huh I thought we we're going to end on such a
1: positive note here Kyle but you you don't know me then i can't do that i have to i have to make people angry in some way shape or form when we walk out of here base level just all memes and smiles but Little did I know. <laughs> There's so much sarcasm underneath that, uh, underneath this face that so much you can, smarm. is
0: yeah, that right? Pretty much. Smarm?
1: I think so. I think
0: yeah. that works. It's your uh, word of the day, guys. Word of the day. Yeah. Anyway, guys. All right. Well, Kyle Ledbetter, Juju Talk Sports. Find us on all our social media platforms. Kyle's going to be with me throughout the NFL season. So we're going to be talking about more NFL predictions. Projections, what goes right, what goes wrong. Review these picks maybe a few weeks later and just see what happens and how they're holding up. But, guys, to do that, to stick along for that journey, you got to follow us at, at Slumpbuster Podcast on IG, at Slumpbuster Pod on Twitter, hell, at Slimbuster Pod on TikTok. We got to get more followers on there. Drop a five star review, helps the algorithm. And, of course, subscribe to this channel. All right, guys, you guys got to stay safe, happy, and healthy. And we'll see you on the next one.